0: Welcome to the Agile Career Podcast, where we will take you on the journey from employed for life to employable for life. We'll give you the tips, insights and strategies to help you build the transferable skills that you'll need. So let's get started. Please welcome your host, Gunther Richter.
1: Hello, listeners, and welcome to the next episode of the Agile Career Podcast. Um, Today, I have another guest, a really exciting guest. And as you would guess, like many guests, uh, he's made a big career switch or transition in his life. Um, I think the key difference today is that the there was a significant event that made him uh, make a big change in his career. I'm not going to talk about that now. I'm going to leave it for the detail of the show. Um, it was a lot bigger than the sort of normal events that we experience, like redundancies or unhappiness in a career. So that's why I think it's going to be a really exciting chat today. Uh, But without further ado, I'd like to introduce Francois de who's coming to us from Bulgaria today, a snowy, snowy Bulgaria. Uh, Francois is a coach, but I'm going to leave the details to Francois to introduce himself. Um, Francois, welcome to the show. I'm really glad to have you here.
0: Hi, thank you very much. Uh, Yeah. About myself, my name is Francois, I'm from Belgium, I currently live in Bulgaria, and today I work... I help ambitious people creating their extraordinary life and regain their health, enjoy their body and their food again.
1: Okay, brilliant. Thanks, thanks for the great introduction. Yeah, so uh, very much in in the sort of coaching in the coaching space, as you say, helping people um, increase their performance and you know get their health back and those sorts of things. So, but I guess the thing is, you've not always been a coach. Um, Perhaps you know, let's wind back the clock like we always do on the show. And, you know, think about when you were in high school, perhaps, or near the end of your school career, what then were your career ambitions? What did you think you'd, you, you know, what, what career were you thinking of doing?
0: Yeah, it was quite funny, because when I was 17, I was a little bit unclear about what I'm going to do with my life. And uh, suddenly, had a, one of my best friend who just said, hey, I heard about the military academy. And I was like, wow, that sounds pretty cool. And from that day, I created this dream of becoming an officer in the para. Paratroopers Commando Unit. And uh, so that's what I did. I joined the army. So I was just uh, around 18. And I studied in the military academy in Brussels for five years. And then I worked my way to uh, becoming an officer and to join the Commando Paratroopers Unit. So definitely, has nothing to do with what I'm doing now.
1: And, 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 and therein is the interesting bit, because I think, you know, often when you have these conversations, you'll kind of looking back and, and thinking about the things you learned in the military were probably a lot of skills that you, you have now. But I guess, I mean, you spent nine years in the army, so that's a fairly significant time, Um and I guess, you know, when people tend to think about the military, they think uh, war and stuff like that. But I think there's so much more to the military than than that. There's things like, I think, humanitarian work, peacekeeping and those sorts of things. And I guess, did, did your time in the army, you know, give you the opportunity to get involved in those sorts of things?
0: I th- my time in the army was absolutely brilliant. I loved it. I loved every single day of it. I mean, all the training, the, which was pretty hard especially at the end it was one of the most challenging things i've done in my life but the bonding with the the people there the experiences i mean can you imagine my my job in the in the commando paratroopers was i was i was to lead uh, this big platoon and then we had the rest of the time exercise was climbing uh parachuting we had uh, a ah survival trainings, uh, boat training, it was so diverse and it was so much fun. I I loved it. And I had a really good connection with my platoon as well. So that was really, I was happy to go to work every single day. And I learned so much. I mean, I cannot list all the skills I learned because it's, it's way too much. But I think one of the biggest was the, is the leadership skills I learned there and the resilience, the never giving up. I mean, this is, never give up is it was kind of the motto of the company as well and I kept this values really with me for for every day in my life pretty much
1: yeah no there's some um, some uh some great takeaways there and I think you know you spoke about leadership and uh, you know looking at your journey through nine years in the army I guess in some instances it's also very much like the corporate world in terms of promotion and kind of growing within within the ranks um you know you spoke a lot about people skills um which I think are you know, so important in in any career. and um I think sometimes people don't recognise that or you know they don't really focus on those things. so i'm I'm really glad you you sort of called that out there. Um, and I, I guess discipline is is probably a good one as well, because I had another guest on the the, the podcast a, a number of episodes ago, and he went to the army because it was compulsory military service, so it wasn't a voluntary thing. And it was interesting because, you know, I said, what did you learn? And he said, well, kind of I learned to make my bed properly. And, you know, we had a bit of a laugh. But when you sort of dug down a little bit, it it talked about discipline and it talked about doing things properly and doing things at a high standard and a good level of quality. So it it was really interesting. Um, And and I guess my question is that discipline going from, I guess, a teenager and your teenage years into a disciplined environment like the military, how was that transition
0: yeah you're definitely right and this this was a really interesting time because I was the kind of i was a kind of teenager a little bit dribble you know and uh, I had long dreadlocks i was just a, yeah this kind of person and when I joined, I was a radical shift, but I loved every single moment of it, and I think i don't know it was quite exciting you know when you do something, I really like to have this uh this mix of fear and excitement all the time in between and when you follow this direction it's always really rewarding and definitely the self-discipline is a big thing and I think after the years I developed this and it was just a way of living to be quite disciplined and the funny thing is when I met my wife and she realized how oh, this is how it is to be a, a military wife you know To <laughs> and I did not realize all those little things like I like things to be nice and tidy and i like i like some order in my house as well and uh but i did not notice it because it was kind of instinctive and it was something you just take over and start doing over and over again and it's just normal but it is not normal especially for everybody so yeah i could really see that moment what what did i learn and what did i uh put in my everyday life
1: yeah and i think those are great skills to to, to take forward as well um... So spending nine years in the military, and I mean, the way you talk, you absolutely loved it. You had a fantastic experience. Um, it ticked all the boxes. You got great enjoyment from it. But I suppose there came a time when you wanted to make a change. And, and that time was after nine years.
0: Yeah, actually, that's quite funny, because I arrived in the, in, my, in the position I was dreaming of for all those years. And when I was there, I stayed one day one year there, and I loved it. And in the same time, I started, I always dreamed of traveling. And this year I traveled to Indonesia and I met my wife there on a small island. Um, And then I came back and I started thinking, well, I love what I'm doing, but I also love traveling. And I know if I wait longer, am I going to still be able to do what I want to do? Because I know there's never a right time. I mean, I was just getting there. that was so weird to quit after all this work, but I was thinking, if I don't do it now, when is it going to be? Is it going to be later when I'm going to have more responsibilities, or maybe I'm going to have a house, I'm going to have this and that. And I was thinking, you know what? It's never the good time, so I'm going to make the good time right now. And I went to my superior and I said, look, I'm I'm going to quit. And this this was a. Well, it took me like a year to take this decision and really think it through because it was something big. And um so I quit the army. I I went a bit radical as well. I'm kind of a person of extremes. So I like that. So I, I sold my car, I sold my computer, I sold my clothes, I sold everything. I just got my backpack and I left to travel the world.
1: I mean, that's a significant decision. I think, um, as you say, you know, you talk about extremes and it's going from that that one, not to say it's necessarily extreme, but that order and that discipline and structure to something that's totally, you know, you know the flip side of that. So uh, it's a big decision. It's a big shift it took you a year to make the decision. So that's totally understandable. And during this year, it was
0: that was interesting because a lot of my close friends and my family were trying to, to test me. Like, are you sure? Are you not crazy? I mean, my wife had a good salary. I had a good salary. I was doing well financially, emotionally, uh, physically, everything was great. But you know, I had this, this little voice deep inside saying like there is more out there. If you don't do it now, you might end up with regrets. And I was thinking, you know what? I'm going to try. And if, if I fail, if, it, if I realize, like, you know what, I miss it too much, I want to come back, then I can always find a way back. It's always possible, but at least I would have tried. So, yeah, I, I decided to, to play the game.
1: And, and that, that little voice you speak about, when it was saying, you know, there's something more out there, did you at first think, well, there's something more in the army because I can still go higher, I can still be promoted? Um, how did you determine that something more was outside of the army? Yeah, I really, I cannot really
0: explain why, but I just had this this feeling. That was more a feeling, That's something rational. Because rationally, if we would have think uh, in the logic mind, I would say no, you stay there. It's going to be you love it, and it's going to be different every year. There are a lot of different things going on, and you're going to grow, uh, go higher in the hierarchy, and have different position, different work. So that was not really this this need of. Uh, I needed I really needed to do something that I was dreaming of for a long time I mean when I was a kid I wanted to be an explorer I wanted to explore the world I could see myself on a boat sailing and discovering a new land
1: (laughs) but like Tintin yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) but this was the moment I was just thinking you know what I I just should try and when I left I think for a couple of years I was still really busy uh, thinking okay I know I cannot travel forever this is not sustainable without having any revenue. So the moment I, I left and I started traveling, I really tried to look around me and see what do I like to do. And I was really stuck with all my, my learnings and uh, thinking I have a master degree in weapon system and management. Okay, weapon system is not so helpful. I don't know, where, where can I find a job that's not related to, to the army? Okay. So I was a bit tricky in this. So I was really trying to pay attention to everything and trying to take every opportunities. But it took me a long time trying to see, okay, what am I going to do? And so I tried different things. I, I worked a little bit as a product. No, I, I designed two, two products in a organic composting factory in Nepal. I just got a, a one month work there and that was, that was amazing. And that was something I've never done before. I designed a survival training for kids when I was uh, living in Costa Rica. And uh, I also work as a first aid instructor when I was in Indonesia. I mean, I tried different things and I realized, okay, I love this, but this is not something I can do for the rest of my life. And I tried to take some little bites of what do I like in those different jobs and how can I combine everything together to do something that is really giving me a lot of passion.
1: So that's brilliant the way you described some of those things there. And, you know, there was obviously a point in time when you, you sat in and, and did a bit of, I suppose, introspecting and thought about what those skills were and what you could use going forward. Uh, I love the way you talk about, you know, a master's degree in weapon systems, because, you know, it's not just moving from corporate to corporate career that you can go and redeploy those skills. It, it's, you know, it's fairly specialist. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but then I think as you started talking about doing some of the work in Nepal and Costa Rica, those things started drawing out. So you talked about first aid, um, you know, teaching first aid, teaching survivorship skills. Now, now, clearly, those were a lot of skills you'd learned in the military.
0: Exactly. So in, in all the different jobs, I realized that what I like is there is a part of leadership. There's a part of management, of teaching, and a little part of adventure. And uh, when I found all those little things combined, I was thinking, okay, what can I do? every day with, with those kind of different aspects that I like. And I think what is really interesting is that when I left the army, I did not really know what was the common threat, what, what I had to look for. And what I really wanna to say to, to everybody listening is it's really important to experiment, to experiment because you need to see for yourself, what is it that I like? And I think that's a, that's a, that's a big issue for a lot of people. You want something different but you don't really know what. And more important, you don't know why.
1: Yeah, no, uh, that's awesome because obviously experimentation is good because it exposes you to those different opportunities and experiences. But asking yourself the question, what do I like? Because so many people, you know, so many people I talk to are in these careers where they're doing well, the careers pay the bills, they've got a stable life, it's low risk, but there's, that's something missing. Am I doing what I like? Am I doing what fulfills me? And um, it's difficult because there's some, it's not always easy to bring those bits together. Uh, You know, so how do you find that sweet spot? So I think, you know, you talking through your experience. There's some really good takeaways there.
0: Yeah. And I would say also, I created the possibility for myself to experiment because if you, I mean, I created a financial safety that would allow me to to stay for a couple of months uh, living in different countries on a really low budget. But still this time, I was not pressed or I can't pay the bill or I, I, I can't eat. You know, I, I just created this little safety net uh, when I was still in the army thinking about my decision to be sure that the moment I have nothing, I have the time for myself to experiment to figure out what is that I want to do because I'm not telling anybody to jump without a parachute, you know, it's just, uh, you don't like it, just quit your job and figure it out. And for one, two years, uh, you try to figure out what it's going to be. And because for me, I can say, it took me almost three years to really figure out what is it going to be.
1: And uh, that's a great way you describe that because it does seem very risky when you say, Oh yeah, I quit my job of nine years. Um, I moved overseas. I did all these crazy things, but you know, when you look back and reflect, it was kind of a very risk managed or reverse process. Ultimately, you know, you took a year to make up your mind. Uh, you know, you put mechanisms in place to make sure you have an income, you know, so it wasn't just going mad.
0: Yeah, I think this moment, that was my rational and logical mind that took over the little emotional part. And say, okay, I've, I know you feel you want to do something else. Now let, let's make a plan. Let's make a strategy. And I think that's the next point I want to say is, it's great to the moment you know what you're going to be doing and why you want to do it it's really important to just to, to put a strategy in place right otherwise you, you just go expecting for the best and you don't know what's going to happen so yeah that's that's kind of the process i did and i have to admit that it was a little bit and i was not really a conscious process that so i i see it now when i look back say oh this is exactly what i did step by step like uh so in the moment I was so uh, a bit overwhelmed with everything, you know. Suddenly I, I just found myself in South America with a backpack, thinking, "Okay, what I'm going to do to of my life, you know? I love my moment now. I love it today, but is it possible to do like this for three months, for three years? Well, I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know. So there was also a lot of overwhelm around it. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm glad you drew that out because I guess in so many instances, whether you're working in a corporate career or you're in the military often your your actions and activities are, I don't want to say dictated, but they're told to you, you know, you have to do these things. And, you know, moving into um, the realm of where you need to make all your own decisions, you need to plan out, there, there are certain skills and things you need like discipline and self-awareness and those sorts of things. And I guess the way you've described it is you probably learned a lot of those in the military. Um, you know, they were more implicit. Uh, like you said, you weren't consciously planning out But the pieces were kind of falling together as you gave yourself that room or created that space to experiment, as you called it.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I would say that when you're stuck in a situation or you're just in a situation that you can't change, we really, or in general, people have a tendency to want something we don't have and just to go and like, oh, when is going to be like this? And then you realize, let's take my situation when I'm going to be traveling. And I realize that when I'm traveling, there is nothing certain. It's surprise after surprises. I mean, every day you cannot predict it and everything we can predict, we can control. We feel like uh, we're losing it and our mind doesn't really like it in a way. And so I realized that my skills I develop in the army, especially about being able to deal with the uncertain, to deal with events that are just coming and then you have a split second to, take a, to make a decision and do something about it. And that really helped me as well in, in those moments of uncertainty.
1: That's a great way to describe it because uh, many people don't like uncertainty or not knowing what's what's going to happen next or or those sorts of things. So it's quite important that you drew that out. And I guess that that kind of leads on to thinking about things you can control and things you can't control. So a good example: you were traveling a lot. You know, you might expect that this plane that I'm going to catch is going to be delayed. What happens if it's delayed? What happens if I miss this bus? You can kind of plan for for those sorts of things, but I guess after you spending some time in Costa Rica, you did some work in Nepal and then in Indonesia, there, there was something that happened in your life that you absolutely couldn't control.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I, w- I was still in this, in this search of finding what I want to do. And um, I started paragliding that time And uh, for a big idea to go have a, a working view permit in Nepal and be living in Nepal. For a long period of time well anyway long story but just I, I was busy flying and flying 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 all the time and i went to a paragliding competition in the island of sulawesi and uh, that was in 2018 and uh the second day of the competition uh, i was just getting out of my hotel when suddenly the ground started shaking and it took me a couple of seconds to realize that that was a, r- a really heavy earthquake uh hitting the whole area and uh Yeah. So I fell on the ground and the ground was, was, I don't know, it's difficult to explain because physically I I could not give a scientific explanation to what I was seeing, because when you see the ground making waves, I mean, I had a friend next to me and suddenly it was like a meter above me. Then I was a meter above him. I mean, that was insane. And when it got more real is that when I heard and saw the hotel behind me completely collapsing, I mean, a five-story building, just, just, just a wreck. I mean, (laughs) completely damaged and and collapsing yeah and so i I turned back with i was so terrified because i was just getting out i I was our hotel was was just on the coast and i was just in the parking in front of the hotel and i turned back and i was just thinking they're full of people in there i was still waving at the receptionist and no no No, no, there was was such a horrible view and uh i I ran to the hotel we could help some people there uh trying to free them from the debris. And I, I spotted a little girl there. Uh, she was trapped in metallic bars on the fifth floor. Um, she was looking at me, the building was still collapsing. And uh, I got her in the eye, in the eyes and I just could see in her face the, the, the confusion of what is happening already for me, but for her, I can imagine she could not make sense of the situation. And with my friend, we, we climbed up to the fifth floor so you can imagine the fifth floor was accessible just by climbing on the debris. And um, with the help of my friend, we, we opened the bar where she was trapped in. I took the girl and uh, we saw the, the mother must have been there. We could hear some yelling and there was a lot of blood. And what I was that was a really intense situation. But the hotel was still collapsing and the ground was still shaking. So I took the little girl and I was like, okay, I'm going to put her safe. And then I come back to help the mother. And uh, I climbed down. And I was running towards the coast. I was I was way toward the beach because I was thinking there is nothing that can fall there. It's going to be safe. And that moment I just saw in the horizon, there was this black line. And, I, and I've never seen that before, but I knew it. <laughs> I look at it, as like, oh, there's a tsunami coming. And I, I did not make the connection so fast in my mind thinking, ah, oh, you know, you are just on the coast. If there's an earthquake, big chance there's going to be a tsunami. Well, I realized it soon enough and uh, i i turned back and i started yelling to my friends still in there is a tsunami coming we need to, to to take shelter so i had this little girl five years old in my arm and i was thinking okay i have two choices either i go back to the hotel and is hive collapsing and i'm probably gonna end up smashed under a big block of concrete or i go up on this little, you know in the front of the parking there was like a uh, a security post like a, something with a with a fence that's opening and closing." And I know how they build the construction in Asia, sometimes not so deep foundation. So I was thinking, okay, maybe not a good idea. And I saw a tree and I was thinking, I don't know what I knew it. I will run to the tree. I threw the little girl up in the tree and I started climbing myself there. And from my side, I I grabbed the trunk on the other side, I had the little girl, my legs same. I was like a, holding as strong as I could. And the tsunami arrived and was coming faster and faster. And then it was there. The security post I was looking before just exploded in pieces. Like you, you can imagine you see cars flying out and everything nothing really makes sense because the power of the of the wave of the of this of nature is so strong that everything else is just like like nothing. And the tree bended in all direction I got hit and uh, I, I can't even remember I've had the print on my biceps of the trunk <laughs> so grabbing and holding on so strong my leg were just dragged by the water and it's like a like a big fist just hitting us full speed while well, we were still there we were still there in the tree and the tree was shaking the first wave went through and we were still alive i'd have to say that, that that very split second just before the the wave hit us I, I was looking at this little girl and she was looking at me waiting for answers and we'd always remembered telling it's going to be fine. It's going to be all right. And thinking to myself, you're a lying bastard, you know, there's no chance you're going to survive that. And that, that was such an emotional moment. I can remember this this very moment or, or exchange in our eyes. And then the wave passed and then we're still there. And I felt so blessed, like we're still alive. And then, well, we stayed for like 40 minutes in this trees, and then night it, it was the night after. And, um, I left the tree, it was dark. I tried to figure out my way. The, the most difficult decision I've ever had to make was like, should I leave this tree if there's another tsunami coming and I'm just trying to walk? I mean, I don't know if you can visualize the dip. everything is down. I mean, th- there is no shape anymore. <laughs> everything is messed up everywhere. So really difficult to walk. I took the little girl on my shoulder and decided, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. And I don't want to die in this tree if something else is coming. And well, I don't want to die on the way, but I'm going to try it. I just I don't know I felt it <laughs> so I took the little girl, I put her on my shoulder and I started walking and in the dark could not really see anything and I had water up to my neck that was a mess and then we went a bit further from the coast and the city was burning and uh, well it, it was it was really really horrible to see the distress the despair and the confusion to everybody I mean I've got really lucky, really, really lucky, and I just want to say that the, the mother of this little girl and the father survived as well. They got injured, but they they made it out. Um, Five thousand people died that day, so it's it was a really dramatic event, and uh, I lost a lot of friends. I mean. I've been doing the thing I, I wish nobody, nobody has ever to do. I, I was digging in the debris, removing the blocks and trying to figure out if my friends were there and I, we had no news of them. And I mean, that was that was intense. What I get out of this is, you know, this quote that says, sometimes beautiful gifts come wrapped in ugly paper. I really got great. this quote a lot. It's I great really saying. got a lot, a lot, a lot in my head because I was thinking, it took me weeks to recover from that. It took me... Yeah, I don't know, really, really a lot. Uh, I was a bit traumatized, obviously. Um, but I was just thinking about my friends who, who died there and thinking, man, you are still alive. You need to make something of it, you know? You, you need to honor it, to celebrate it. I mean, just, just in their name, just... I mean, you know, when I remember, I, I think about myself in this street. like, I got spared. It was a miracle that I'm still living today. And I realized that moment, I made a promise to myself, I'm going to live every single day to the fullest and inspire other people to do the same.
1: Well, you've said so many significant things there. And, um, you know, as you've talked through that story, you, you know, you've got sort of mean tears here thinking about that situation and, you know, it's, it's something that, as you say, you cannot explain it and you cannot comprehend it until you're in that situation, you know, um, and you know it was clearly massively traumatic, and you know you talked about the loss of life and and losing friends. Um, I think the thing you know you, the thing that's really beautiful that you drew out there that says sometimes a beautiful gift comes wrapped in in ugly paper. Um,
0: you no, know, we sorry, but ju- just wanted to say this thing that we always think it happens to others but not to us, and we have kind of this until it really happened to us. It's like oh. Yeah. Right. Okay. It's not only happening to others, and that really struck me. I mean, I could never. I mean, imagine yourself. What is the chance that you're going to be in a tsunami in earthquake? It's really little. in the day it happens.
1: Yeah. No. It's as you say. You know, and as we were talking before, it's it's those things you can't anticipate that they probably weren't even on your radar. You know, you never thought about. You think about late planes and trains and and buses, but you don't think about being caught in a natural disaster like that.
0: And um, you know. I think one of the biggest lessons I had from this day was all my life I've been a a bit living in the future. You know, I I like planning, I like organizing, and I was always kind of, uh, even though I I like what I do, What at that moment, I mean, I was always thinking, well, you know what, next weekend I'm going to do that, and next summer I'm going to travel there, and then even when I was traveling, I was traveling in Colombia, thinking, Oh yeah. And when we're we going to be in Ecuador, that's going to be so cool. And then when we're we going to be in Japan, that's going to be so cool. And in Japan, I was thinking, Oh, the Philippines are going to be amazing. And I was thinking I was kind of living. And I think a lot of people are doing the same. We live a bit for something that is coming in the future instead of really being focused on here and now. And I realized that day, my, my wife told me that for, for a bit less, yeah, almost 24 hours, for example, I mean, just to say, You think we're always going to be able to do what we want to do in the future. And we tend to forget to enjoy what we're doing right now. And that was this massive lesson to think, if I still plan to be happy tomorrow, I might never live this day I want. I'm going to finally be happy with, you know? So I really realized I need to be happy right now. Because this moment right now, I have it. It's there. I can make whatever I want from it. The future, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. So that really helped me to refocus on the present and enjoying enjoying every single step of the journey, not only looking at the destination.
1: Yeah, that, and then what you say is so true. And, if, you know, we're so focused on generally on the future. And yes, you know, there's nothing wrong with planning and and, and that sort of thing. But as you say, you know, I'd be much happier when I get this new car next year, or I'll be much happier when, you know, the new Apple watch comes out or whatever it is. And, 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 yeah. and you know, you're right. We don't often think about making the most of what we have now and, and, and be happy. Exactly. And I think, you know, hopefully it doesn't take an event that you went through to, you know, to, to help people kind of recognize that. And, um and, and I guess thinking about that event and, you know, there's a lot, as you described what was happening you know clearly a lot of the stuff that you'd learned was helpful to you you know again um you know survival survival skills and all of those sorts of things but as you were talking there's so many learnings as well that that you probably would never have learned elsewhere that have now started shaping your thinking as you've just described
0: yeah definitely what i learned in the army i think definitely uh helped me survive that day i mean 100 percent sure um And what I learned from the situation helped me be who I am today as well. And I think we can always look at a situation that is a bit painful in our past and trying to find a different perspective of it and trying to see, okay, there was really a difficult situation and I wish that to nobody, but what can I learn from it? How did I grow? And it it might be sometimes it's really difficult. I mean, there are some situations when it's really hard to see the positive in it, but there is always a possibility to, to change it. And this thing says like a, you can never change an event, but you can always change your relationship with it.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. It's as as you say. You you know we can't control um, things that happen, but we can control how we respond. And um, you know, you could easily have in that situation just given up. You know, thinking that this situation is is unsavable. Uh, you, you know, you talked about the hotel collapsing and people stuck in there. You you know there was one this five year old girl. Um, and, you- and you know what? She, she, she helped me
0: to survive because the moment I found her, I was like, I don't care I, anything else. I just need to make her survive because she can't by herself. And I th- that, that made me, that really made me survive because all my focus, my attention, my, my brain was firing in all directions just to keep her safe. And I, I think if I was just there alone, I would have panicked so much more. I would have maybe lost it. I don't know. But the fact that she was there, I always told her, like, you saved me as much as I saved you. Seriously. We just have been in there together. And uh, that was her birthday, actually. Uh, two days oh, that's three.
1: awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I guess the importance of, of purpose, you know, it's, it's at, at that time you had a purpose. It was a singular purpose. It was a singular goal. Mm-hmm. And, um, and And, as you say, it helped you through it I, exactly
0: uh, when you have such a purpose and a powerful drive this is this is the thing that's gonna get you through anything
1: so I'd say I mean that's a significant shift and and obviously that that i mean the event as a whole and 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 the snippets, like those that you've described have really fed into to what it is you're doing and uh, the other thing that that I think is significant for me is looking at that situation, thinking how do I help all of these people and you know you can take that parallel into any kind of job or, or charity work or whatever it is. How can I help all these people? Sometimes you can't help them, but if you can just make a difference for one person and and clearly, you know, that's what you did.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And and after um, when, I mean, a couple of months later, I was, I was still reflecting all the time. I mean, like I could see the situation over and over and I was thinking, okay, what can I do now because I really felt I wanted to scream every, to everybody, please live your life at 100% right now, 200%, because you don't know, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, seriously. And I was thinking, okay, what can I do? Because I had this, this burning desire in me, like I need to tell this to the world. And I know a lot of people have been through situations situation like me, but my message was like, it is not necessary to wait for having a tragic event, something dramatic to you, to actually start to make a change. That's way too dramatic to do this way, right?
1: We all Absolutely. have the tools to be able to change, and you don't need to wait and to go through all this pain and suffering. Absolutely, I mean that's a fantastic piece of advice, and it's funny. I'm just kind of looking at the the, the notes that I prepared ahead of this ahead of the show, and um, you, you know, my my question was going to be, what would you tell people um, that? Uh, that um, are at a crossroads in their career or looking for meaning that might not have gone through a transformative experience or an event like you did. So um, I think you've hit it on the, on the head there, you know, don't, don't, don't wait for, don't wait for that external thing, you know, it, exactly. it, it's, it's look internally, I guess.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I know it's, it's a little bit like everybody think,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, you're right. It just makes so much sense what you're saying. And then a couple of years later, like, yeah, but you know, I, I don't know. And it's a bit like the moment you really start taking care of your health are usually the moment where you're feeling sick. When you're feeling not good, you're like, well, I really need to change. Or the moment you want to quit drinking alcohol is when you have a hangover the day after you realize, oh, I felt so bad. I need to do something, you know, and we have this tendency to let things go until the moment it's so painful that you realize, oh, okay, no, it's time to change, All right? It's just so good to bring consciousness and awareness in your situation to be able to take the step before it's going too far. It's much easier,
1: yeah. you're right, and all we wait till the first of January um, yeah. <laughs> definitely because <laughs> because that's that's a good place to start so um, yeah so no, I mean you, you've described that out brilliantly, and I think you know as you were talking about your your travels immediately prior to the earthquake and and tsunami, uh, it seems to be, you know there was a lot of thinking you were doing about you know what am I going to do next, how are these pieces coming together, what are the things I'm enjoying? Um, so it seems you were sort of shaping up what, what was coming next. And obviously this earthquake and tsunami then, you, you know, brought some massive realization. How did you put all those pieces together?
0: Yeah, it took me a bit also, once again, it took me time. I think uh, a bit more than a year after I started realizing, okay, what I can do is help people via coaching. And I was realizing that I was already giving some advices to people before and just, I was just, I don't know telling some inspiring stories of, of what happened to me and how I, I reshaped my life with this and then i heard the word coaching which was not really uh popular uh, i mean i didn't really know what was a coach doing i mean everybody knows a coach for a sport team but the yep. coach for for life etc that was that's a bit less known it's getting more and more popular though but so i realized okay coach but wait a minute i i'm a ex-military I'm not a coach, you know. Uh, that that's different. And I started having all those those doubts and thinking, well, well, maybe I should give it a shot. So I started, and yeah, more than one and a half year later, uh, taking some certification. And I do did the certification. I was thinking after that I'm going to feel confident. Well, <laughs> I finished the certification. That was great. I learned a lot, and I still felt like, yeah, I know more, but I've I'm not ready to coach a person like, and I mean, really for as a professional job, I was like. Pfft, so what I did, I took a second certification. That was great. That was great. I thought that would be better after. <laughs> but guess what? It wasn't. It wasn't. And in the meantime, I spent reading books, watching programs and things and developing a lot of tools for that. But I realized a moment, okay, I'm going to do it. And I need to put myself out there. I need to tell people what I'm doing now. And I realized I was a, lot of, a lot of blockage, a lot of things were holding me back. And I could identify one was I needed to shift my identity. I was not anymore, because I like to be the ex-military person in the eyes of everybody, the super commando, whatever. That was great. And suddenly, I needed to shift and say, no, no, I'm a coach. And I think to embody a different, yeah, kind of a different identity is, is quite a step. And For me, That's- it was quite a
1: step. <laughs> it's interesting you say that uh you know i've been doing quite a bit of um i, I guess reading as well and and one of the things you know we, we talk as coaches we use uh the ikigai uh yeah. approach or tool quite often and um you know and it's you've simplistically put you know if you think about that venn diagram about doing what you love doing what helps others etc cetera, etc cetera. but kind of reading some more books it, it goes a little bit deeper than that and, and and starts thinking about that that identity you know so often I think we tie our identities to our jobs. So, you know, I'm a teacher, I'm a consultant, I'm a builder, I'm a bricklayer, whatever it is. And um, it's about perhaps separating that out. And, and as you say, you needed to make that shift and shift your identity, you you know, and it's, it's to a point of saying, well, as a coach, I help others lead better lives or I help people improve themselves or overcome obstacles, you know, and I think that that's quite, important because you can take that with you no matter what job you're doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you, you're really right. It's like we describe ourselves depending on the job we're doing. And I needed to tell people I am, I am a coach now. And that's, that was the step I had to take. But I think, uh, yeah, it's Rich Lidvin, a wonderful coach uh, saying that he is a overnight success in 46 years or something like (laughs) to be a coach today I really use actually, every, I learned to be a coach since, since I'm really young, actually. I learned all this, thing, all this experience, all those this life stories, all those adventures, all those things just made me who I am today as being able to sit in front of someone and help them with some of their, their desires or, or dreams, you know? So it's not, I realized, it took me a little time as well, but I realized that's not this certification. That's going to give me some tools and techniques. Definitely, it's great. But this is more the whole journey I've been on since all those years that made me an expert in what I can do. And this is something we usually don't realize. It's really difficult to realize what we are good at because we do like this every single day. And so it's kind of normal to us. But then when you expose it to other people, like, wow, you're so good at this, like, what? No, I'm just, I'm just average, right? And that's the thing that we have a tendency to underestimate what you can do well.
1: You're absolutely spot on there. And I think it's, you know, and this is one of the things I always encourage listeners to do and, and you know, also working in the mentoring and coaching situations is drawing up that that skills inventory. And I know that sounds terribly technical and you're going to write down a list of things, but it's drawing out, as you say, these activities that you've performed over and over again. And it might be working in a corporate environment as an accountant, you know, and, and it's digging a little bit deeper, um, you know, and saying, okay, well, I was really good at balancing the books. You know, I'm I'm sure that many accountants will, will, will shout me down because there's a lot more that they do, but (laughs) unpacking that and think about what are those skills that allowed them to do the job well. And as you say, and and you described that's those skills that you've built throughout your life. And they're all very implicit. And I think the important thing is for people to introspect a little and try and make those explicit. And because then those are the things that you can take with you and, whether it's a, a promotion or a new role, a new company, or a new, a new career, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, I
0: think it's so important to be able to identify the thing you are good at and the thing you love to do. And when those two things are matching together, I mean, you find just the recipe for, for fulfillment. And that, that was kind of the the, the vision of, of the company I created was uh, – together, creating a world where people live with passion and purpose. And I really believe in this concept. If everybody is doing what they love to be doing, I mean, we are, people are going out of their, uh, how do you say that? I mean, everybody's performing better because we love to do this. We do that with all our heart. It's fantastic. And we're good at it. That would be a waste to not do it this way.
1: And, and it would be a beautiful thing for, for people to experience, you know, not, not thinking about oh, it's Monday morning again, and I have to do this thing um, because someone's telling me to do it. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I mean, that, that's some, some, some brilliant advice. And I think, you know, tying that together with, a, you know, don't, don't always live in the future. Um, you know, think, think about the now, thinking about what what you have around you and um, is, is, is very important. Yeah. Um, you spoke about, uh, and, and I guess um, we're probably um, sort of drawing to the end. Um, but you spoke about doing a lot of reading and, and studying and, and that sort of thing. Um, are there any any books that that have been stand out for you that you would recommend to to the listeners to pick up?
0: Uh, a lot of books. Um, I definitely recommend the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People from uh, Doctor Covey, which was really Great book for anybody. Um, Why well, there are so many books out there? But I would recommend what what really made a big difference in my life when I discovered Mind Valley, um, and you know about it as well. This is a, a big platform when they they gather all those different uh, thought leader in different categories and put them together to create a program, a lot of different programs. And that really that was really the start of my self development journey, and it really helped me a lot. So. Yeah, I would recommend it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, those are good recommendations. I mean, uh, the Seven Habits is probably one of the most recommended books on on the podcast. You know, everyone's uh, taken yeah. taken so much f- from that. And and Mind Valley the, the the program. Yeah, I mean, I echo that. Uh, I think you know you know in addition to uh, in addition to all the content and material, it provides opportunities to to kind of practice your skills and. Yeah. And meet like-minded people you know so that's how we met so yeah um, you know, brilliant brilliant platform um so yeah no that that's been brilliant um francois thank you so much i mean you know just the way you you've sort of shared your story and uh, and i think you know certain parts of the story were, were difficult you know I, you, I could see you were getting emotional i was getting emotional but i think that the value and the insight we can draw from that has been phenomenal and you know, it, it looks so obvious now looking back <laughs> about how these bits have come together and kind of shaped the, the thing you do now, your purpose now in terms of, you know, helping other people. Um, so that's that's brilliant. You can see that golden thread all the way through your story now. So yeah, I mean, thank you so much for sharing that. That's That's been really awesome.
0: Thank you. I just want to add one little thing is that when exactly what you say, no, we can see everything coming out together mm-hmm. in my life. But I would really give this piece of advice to people before you start Instead of leaving it to the to hoping for the best and let's see where the wind is going to guide you, it's more really take the moment to think about what what you would like to do and why you want to do it. And I think when you have this strong purpose, it's really going to help you go where you want to go, where you need to go, much faster, just by bringing more consciousness in it. So and yeah, um, sorry yeah, the, the, yeah. No, the, la- the last little thing I heard this this quote was saying, I don't know, but that says. We all have this little voice of wisdom inside of us, and it is as loud as our willingness to listen to it.
1: Yeah, that's brilliant. I mean, it's just like communication in its true form, you know, whether it's your your inner voice or, or speaking to someone else. So, I think that's a great piece of advice. Um, I guess my final question is: uh, yeah. Where can listeners go to connect with you or learn more about uh, you or and the work you do? Uh,
0: yeah, uh, people can go on. Uh, www.chasing slash uh, no sorry uh slashing underscore
1: yeah i think it's the dash yeah dash but, yeah sorry dash <laughs> yeah and this yes. is
0: my website there is more about my story and uh, feel free everybody to drop a text there and contact me that's that's great
1: okay brilliant i'll, I'll put the link uh, afterwards i'll write up yeah. some show notes and I'll, I'll put the links in there as well um if you're okay i'll pop your linkedin link as well yes um, please and people that's can great. connect you but um yeah no, that that's been awesome uh, you know it's it's been an awesome I really really enjoyed that and you know thank you so much for sharing your story and and just kind of opening up and you know it was it was brilliant thank you so much
0: thank you Hunter. thank you so very much
1: for having me you're welcome and I hope to speak soon well another extraordinary story and uh, I just want to say thank you to Francois again uh, you know in addition to it being such an interesting story in terms of the sorts of transitions that he made and that military career and you know then moving into his role as a coach just that experience of going through the natural disaster um you know i think in so many ways as he said indescribable um i guess you know there was a point when we were recording the episode that you know I was really struggling to to, to keep it together and uh, obviously on a on a video call you, you know you can see as well it was clearly clearly an emotional um, kind of story for him to recount so yeah I just want to say thank you for sharing that and uh, you know I think like like Francois said you know sometimes beautiful things come wrapped in ugly paper and you know they're not always pleasant to deal with but is there something that we can take out of it and and learn from and and, and perhaps see you know something better that is within this this horrible event so Yes, uh, a phenomenal story. And as usual, I want to just end with a few key takeaways. Uh, Of course, I will pop these up on the uh, website as well. So you can go ahead and read these. Um, So yeah, you know, Francois talked about the importance of experimenting and giving yourself the space or the possibility to experiment, you know, almost kind of trying things before you you go headlong into them. So so some really good um, tips there. Uh, he talked about logic and emotion as, as playing a part in helping make decisions. It doesn't need to be one or the other, and it's important to have balance. Uh, I think then, you know, talking to the the, the, the natural disaster, for example, you know, um, Francois said that there are things that you can predict and you can control, and there are things that you cannot. And it's really important to differentiate between these two. Um, you know, you can't control certain things, but you can control how you respond and, and react um taking rash decisions uh you know what may seem like a rash or an irrational big decision you still need a strategy and uh, or or plan you know so again sort of as i said a a couple of points ago not rushing headlong into things you know kind of giving yourself some space to 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 experiment um and and sort of plan things out don't spend your life living in the future Ah, this is so difficult um well, it's not so difficult not to do, but I think, you know, so many of us are focused on things in the future. And yes, you know, we just said it's important to plan and have a bit of a strategy. But, you know, it's 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 equally or more important to kind of live in the now and enjoy what you're doing today. Um, again, you know, you have absolutely no idea what's coming coming tomorrow. Um, so you know, really focus on on the here and now and and get the most out of it that you that you can. Uh, Recognize when you're holding yourself back. You can then, you know, recognize that there's a a challenge and you can work through that, allow you to put yourself out there and ultimately achieve good things. And uh, I think the final point then, when setting off on a new path, uh, don't just hope for the best. Think about what it is you want and more importantly, why you want it. Um, So, uh, you know, a little bit of introspection will, will certainly help you make the right decisions and set off on the right path. So that's it for now. Another episode wrapped up. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, it's been phenomenal. Uh, you know, I really loved um, talking to Francois. Uh, he shared so many great insights. So I do hope you enjoyed the episode and you get lots of gems out of it. Uh, as usual, I'd love to hear from you. You know, go ahead and leave a review on uh, Apple Podcasts. Um, you know, drop me a note, drop me a mail, get hold of me through the LinkedIn page. Uh, I'd love to hear from you and um, and also hear your thoughts on the show. Thank you so much for your time. I do appreciate it. Take care of yourself and I will talk to you soon.